At age 17, Kristen Jane Anderson survived a suicide attempt. Today, more than 10 years later, she has a powerful message for those who find themselves in despair. If you're struggling with pain in your life or with suicidal thoughts or with depression, I want you to know that there's a reason you're here, that God created you for a purpose. And no matter what you're going through, it's temporary. You're not alone, and He has tremendous plans for us, every single one of us. Nobody is an accident, including you. There is a reason you're here. So I just want to encourage you to hold on, to seek God with all of your heart, and I know that you will find Him. He will bring you out of the depths of despair like He has me. This is Family Life Today. Our host is the president of Family Life, Dennis Rainey, and I'm Bob Lapine. Kristen Anderson joins us today to give a reason for the hope that is within her. Stay tuned. Welcome to Family Life Today. Thanks for joining us. You know, this we've been hearing a remarkable story of, of God's redeeming work in the heart and the life of a young woman this week, and a young woman who attempted suicide by laying across railroad tracks, and miraculously, God spared her life. Um, but I'm, I'm just thinking here, here we're at a point in the, in the unfolding of this story where all of a sudden life has meaning and purpose and joy and hope. There's just this one bummer, and that is I don't have legs anymore. You know, and I don't mean to sound crass or, or trivial about it, but it's like— It's the result of what took place. Here, here's hope redawning, but, but I, I'm in a wheelchair with no legs and life's going to be very different from here on out because of of a decision I made an impulsive decision trying to end my own life. Well, that young lady uh, joins us again on Family Life today. She's the author of the book Life in Spite of Me. Uh, Kristen Jane Anderson joins us again on Family Life today. Uh, Kristen, welcome back and I just have to tell you I really appreciate your willingness to um, go back and revisit some very painful moments both emotionally and physically as as you shared about that attempt at suicide. Thank you. I really appreciate you having me on. I wanted wanted to ask you, uh, just as you have processed uh, the loss of your legs, like like Bob is is talking about here, people who, who lose a limb experience what's called phantom pain, mm-hmm. or they have the, the feeling of the phantom as though the, their legs are still there. Right. Do you experience that? Yes. I I always feel like my legs are still there. It's it's really interesting. It's not like they feel normal or anything, but I oh, it feels like they're still there. It's very interesting. Are there times you'll wake up in the middle of the night and and without stopping to think about it, think I'll just swing my legs out and get up out of bed? Not as often as I used to. In the beginning, I used to always be really surprised by my wheelchair next to my bed, but now I'm pretty used to it. Every once in a while, I'll think I want to go for a run or something like that that I can't do anymore. The the thing that I keep thinking about here is at a point when your life experienced a, a radical transformation, 
you trusted Christ, you began to understand what it means to follow him and to give your life to him, and and you're a new creation in Christ. The, the thing is, the old you had legs, the new you doesn't. Right. How do you process that? The thing that helped me the most was learning that I was whole in Christ. Whether or not I had legs or not isn't what made me whole. He was more than enough for all of me. I didn't need anything more. And the more that I trusted him and I put my faith in him, the more I just felt whole. I realized that I was going to be fine without my legs. I was going to be fine as long as I had him. I didn't need them as much as I needed him. You said before we came into the studio that um, uh, you've been working with, is it a physician who creates prosthetics? Yes, he's called a prosthetist. And you've been working with him for four years? Longer, actually. Actually longer than that. And yet, it's interesting to kind of see your your demeanor. You kind of have some opinions about why they've not been able to fit you with legs at this point. Yes, I am a difficult case to fit, but I think that everything happens for a reason, and I think that there's a reason I'm not walking now. And as I've tried to think through that, pray through that, and see what the reasons might be, I feel like it's just not God's time yet. I think that He um, has used my story and me in a way that He had planned to use it with me in my wheelchair. And it has also taught me a tremendous amount of patience, and it has made me a lot more humble for me to be in my wheelchair. I'm listening to you say that, and I'm I'm flashing back to the story of January 2nd, 2000, when you were draped across the railroad tracks and described something supernaturally almost pushing you down as the train ran over you, even though you, your legs were severed and you lost them. And the condition of the young lady who had laid down on that track was without hope. Right. Had no purpose. The woman today who has no legs has a mission. She's on a mission. You're smiling. I mean, there's a lot of people who would say, I don't get that. How can you smile about that? Do you really believe that God has a purpose, even in a, a self-described act of selfishness, trying to take your own life? Only God can give me this kind of joy, only knowing him and having a relationship with him. Nothing compares to knowing him. And I am on a mission now, you're right, because I want people to know that no matter what pain they're going through, no matter what they're feeling, no matter what they have in their past or they're doing now, God can help them. They can. He can heal that pain. He can bring them out of their situations and their disappointments and he can make them whole again he can give them a purpose he has a purpose for them when he made them when he created them he had a plan for their lives but here's my question for you the the joy that you're talking about the hope the purpose mm-hmm. do you have that because you know you're supposed to because you're a christian and yeah. and do you know what I'm saying? It's yeah, kind of like, yeah, no. like, well, you and know. And she goes to Moody, too. Yeah. Moody Bible I mean, Institute. I go to church, and they've been telling me, you know, you find your joy and your hope in Christ, so I guess I need to, and I'm on a mission, so I need to tell people that I have hope and joy. I wish people could see her face Because right now. that's my job now. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. No, that's not me at all, at all. I will tell you what I think no matter what. So that's just 
that's just actually how I feel. I think that I tried to find joy in every other area of my life and nothing else brought me joy. Seeing myself through his eyes and seeing the world through his eyes and accepting accepting him into my life and having him at the center of things just makes everything work a lot differently. It changes everything for me. So I'm excited because I know him. I'm happy because... I know that I'm exactly where I need to be. I'm, I have joy because he has forgiven me, because he gave me a second chance over and over and over again. So you got more joy with no legs than you ever had when you had your legs. Undoubtedly. And I wouldn't trade what's happened to me and what I've learned to have them back. And as you talk to young people around the country, are you seeing a need for them to find the same spiritual legs that you found? Yes. Every time I share my story with young people or older people, they all come up to me, almost every single one of them, and tell me that they struggled with suicidal thoughts and depression at one time. They are now struggling, or they know somebody who has. And so they want to know how to help them, or they want to know how they can be helped. Suicide and depression is an epidemic in our culture. Eight out of 10 people think about suicide, and one out of 10 try. It's a third cause of death between those in ages of 15 to 24. And I just want to make any difference that I can in the lives of those Hmm. people and those statistics. Hmm. I want them, I know that they don't have to choose suicide as the answer. It's not an answer. It's not a choice to even consider. It's not, you know, I want people to realize that there is another way. There is a much better way. It is the only way. And that is through Jesus Christ. One of the ways in which you've seen God demonstrate what he's doing in your life uh, happened when you were baptized, right? Yes. When I was baptized, I shared my story for the first time, and it really helped me realize his faithfulness through through all of it. He did all these little things to bring me into a relationship with him. I, I want to just stop you for a second. I want to put a timeline on this. Your accident happened January 2nd, 2000. You began a relationship with Christ in March, right? Right. How long before you were baptized? It was three years later. So you'd had some time to truly think about this decision you had made before you told your story publicly. Right. I didn't even know that people, you know, were encouraged to get baptized after they accepted Christ until I started going to a church where I learned that. So everything... You couldn't have really seen the fruit in my life until I really started growing spiritually once I got to that church. But when I shared my story at my baptism that day, I cried like crazy. But my at the end of it, they gave an invitation for people who had not accepted Christ yet, who wanted a relationship with him, who wanted a new life with him, wanted to know they would go to heaven. And my mom raised her hand that day at my baptism. And that was just the beginning of God bringing every single one of us in my family to him. It was an incredible time. Did you know that? Did you see her out in the congregation raising her hand? I saw her. I was actually like two people down from her at that time. It was at the end of the service. And what did you, what did you think? I just remember thinking, thank you, God. Thank you, God. Praise. You know, just being giving him praise because like, I saw him doing amazing things in my family. And I knew that the closer we all were with him, the better our family life would be, the more healthy we would be, the more... I just I just knew the difference it would make in her heart and in our lives. And I wanted her to forgive herself. She Oh yeah. 
blamed herself for what I did, and I mm-hmm. knew it wasn't her fault. It wasn't my dad's fault. It wasn't anyone's fault but my own. I took full responsibility for it, and I knew that if she could feel Christ's forgiveness, she could begin to forgive herself. Was she the first person in your family to come to faith? Yes. And and who was next? Then it was my dad, and then it was my brother. Now, before you go on to that, your dad had a special nickname for you? Yeah. How do you know this is? Well, we, we do our research on <laughs> stuff like this. What was, what was that nickname? He called me Speedy Two-Shoes. Why did he say that? Because I would run around the house and up and down the stairs and everything like crazy. Yeah, yeah. But he came to faith in Christ too? Yes. Was that dramatic for him to place his faith in Christ? It has been incredible. He is one of the largest encouragements in my life now. He loves Christian radio. He listens to radio all the time. He reads his Bible all the time. He's always speaking truth. Can we just say hi to him right now? We just want to say hi to your dad if he's listening to Christian radio. Good. And he... He's just a huge, an incredible blessing. I cannot believe, and he always says that he praises God for what he's done in my life. He, he is so grateful for the way that he turned my life around, for the way that Jesus turned my life around, and for the ways that he's using me now. What, what was the turning point for him? Um, he started in Christian radio, actually. He listened to Moody Radio a lot, and that was the biggest thing for him. He started reading his Bible, and then when I started going to church, I brought my mom with me, and she brought my dad with her, and he's... That's when it all happened. And then he went to a men's conference with my brother. He brought my brother to a men's conference, and that's when my brother became a Christian. How old is your brother? He's 35 now. So the entire family has placed their faith in Christ. Yes. My sister, this is really cool, though. She became a Christian when I was seven. She got married. She's 14 years older than me. She became a Christian when I was really young, and she was praying for all of us for years and years and years and years. Wow. I'm just thinking, Bob, you think back to the trauma of what Kristen has been through, the, the lack of hope that you had as a young person. If, if somehow we could have come to you and have told you what was going to occur, would you have believed it as a 15, 16, 17-year-old young lady? Would you have believed your family would be transformed by Jesus Christ? No, I wouldn't have believed it. How are they more of a family today than they were back then? We're more of a family because we we talk about things now. We talk about real life. We talk about what's hurting us, what helps us, what God's doing in our hearts and in our lives. And we pray together and we support each other and we encourage each other. And we did some of that before, but it was a lot more surfacey. There are a lot more walls. Now we are just completely real with each other and we have Jesus at the center and he just makes it all work. In a and it works perfectly. Way. There's never any... Any conflict or any disappointment? No, or, it doesn't or, work. And not, nothing's perfect. But it's completely different. It's a lot easier now. We know from Scripture a much better way to handle problems. And we know that God is with us. We know that He's going to carry us through whatever we face. And we know that He, you know, that He commands us to forgive one another. And so we do that and we mean it and we love each other more. You shared your story publicly for the first time at your baptism, but then people started saying, would you come share your story with this group or with that group? Did that take you by surprise? Were you a little uncomfortable with that at first? It was very surprising for me. I wasn't expecting that at all, but because they heard me share my story at my baptism, they knew my story and they knew that 
I guess it might help some young people. And that's why I decided to share it for the first time after my baptism. It was at a high school youth group in my church. And I really just did it because I wanted them to learn from my mistakes. I didn't want them to have to have anything like that happen to them before they had a real growing relationship with Christ. And I just wanted to help them in any way that I could help them grow. And so I shared my story. And after I shared my story, almost all of them came up to me and told me that they were struggling and they were reaching out for help because they didn't know how they could face another day or another year. And they were all in different situations. And I wanted to help them all, but I couldn't do that. But I began helping as many kids as I could. And I began speaking at other churches and youth events where I was invited to speak. You began helping them how? What were you doing? I was just helping. I was just talking with them. I was just being there for them. I was just loving them. They just needed somebody who understood and who could give them, you know, godly advice. So I tried to do that as best as I could as I was growing spiritually. We, we don't realize how huge that is in the life of a teenager for somebody to come along and say, I'll listen. I'll, I'll talk. Uh, just share whatever you want to share. Yeah, but what really gave you the credibility is that you were willing to be authentic. Right. And I mean, you're a living testimony, a living illustration. I didn't pretend like my life was perfect or like it ever was. I told them exactly what it was and what it was now. If I was a parent listening to you right now, I think I might be a little afraid. (laughs) No, seriously, for young people today growing up in this culture— Why do you think young people today seem to be more susceptible to what you're calling hopelessness and suicide and despair? I think they're more impressionable. I think they think more about what other people think about them. They're not, you know, content with who they are. They have all the pressures of media to look this way or get this, you know— car or whatever it is and they don't think they're ever good enough they don't think they're all fair amount to anything they think that they aren't beautiful they think that they're not special they don't know that god made them created them for a purpose or for a reason and i think that i I would be scared as a parent for those reasons too i think that the best thing that parents can do though is to be authentic with their kids just like they want their youth leaders to or whatever else they need to be the first encouragement in their lives after Christ, not the youth pastor, not the youth leaders. Mm -hmm. They need to be involved. They need to ask the questions. They need to have the real vulnerable talks. And they need to be open to whatever they are saying, whatever they're going through, whatever their friends are going through. They need to be, keep that conversation, you know, keep the lines of communication open, I guess, because that was one of the problems for me. I didn't feel like my mom would understand or... You know, yeah. I thought she would think badly of me or of my friends. You started not only speaking at youth group or some places around town, but now you were getting invitations to travel and speak, and, and you spoke at the chapel at Moody Bible Institute, and you you spoke in Christian college. I mean, it started to, to just snowball for you. Yeah, I was getting more requests to share my story specifically than I could even go. I couldn't go all the places that I was being invited. And then at, at one point, you got a call to come share your story in an unusual setting. Yes, I got a call to share my story on Oprah, and that was in 2006. And, and there was only one condition that you gave the producers of Oprah. It was the condition that you would appear on the program. 
I would. I told them that I would be on the show if they would let me share Jesus and my faith because that was the biggest part of my story. That was my story. I couldn't change it. Didn't have anything to say if you couldn't talk about exactly. him. Exactly. I, I want to go to a bigger issue of your future. I, I have a feeling there's a listener or two wondering, wonder what her dreams are for her life. Tell us what you'd, what you'd like to, to do and, and be long haul. You want to be a wife, mom, huh? I think that God created me to be a wife and a mother more than anything else. But I also think that he made me to help bring other people into a closer relationship with him. And so that is my main focus and my main drive right now before I get married and have children. But if you, uh, if you meet the right guy, you're beaming right now. If you meet the right guy, you're going to go to a weekend to remember. <laughs> marriage getaway. You're going to go through the pre-marriage section, aren't you? Yes. Yeah, you've already had some coaching on this. And she's grinning. And we'll stop right there, Bob. I think that's that's wise of you to do. I think it is. Yes. Well, I just want you to know, um, I really admire you and your courage. Um, I think it could have been very easy for a young lady in a hospital bed waking up on January 3rd, 2000, to have just kind of given up and maybe gone ahead and died. But somehow God pursued you and gave you a flicker of hope and that you didn't give in to hopelessness but took something that was really a wrong choice, a bad choice at the time, and you turned to Him. And I, I just, I'm just thrilled to hear your story of redemption, Kristen, and, and to hear of God's work in your life. And I, I hope you'll not only share Jesus Christ with the hundreds of thousands and uh, folks who'll be listening to Family Life today, but also millions through your book and other speaking engagements and that God gives you. Thanks for being on our broadcast. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure to meet both of you. Well, and I have to tell you, I think there are a lot of people who um, have heard you share your story this week who are thinking, boy, I'd, I'd love to read her story. Um, but more than that, I know someone who could really benefit from reading Kristen's story. And the book you've written is called Life in Spite of Me, and we've got it in our Family Life Today Resource Center. Let me encourage you to go online at familylifetoday.com for more information on how to order a copy of Kristen's book. We also have uh, other resources on the depression and on suicide. Uh, you can find those when you go to our website, familylifetoday.com. Or if you need help, if you're looking for something specific, call 1-800-FL-TODAY and uh, talk to someone on our team about what resources we might have available, either online or something we can send out to you. Again, the toll-free number, 1-800-358-6329. That's 1-800-F as in family, L as in life, and then the word today. Or go online at familylifetoday.com. And with that, we got to wrap things up for today. Hope you have a great weekend. Hope you and your family are able to worship together this weekend. And I hope you can join us back on Monday. Paul Miller is going to be here to help us uh, unravel the mystery of prayer and talk about what we can do to have a, uh, a richer, deeper prayer life. We'll talk about that Monday. Hope you can be with us. I want to thank our engineer today, Keith Lynch, and our entire broadcast production team. On behalf of our host, Dennis Rainey, I'm Bob Lapine. We will see you Monday for another edition of Family Life Today.
Family Life Today is a production of Family Life of Little Rock, Arkansas. Help for today. Hope for tomorrow. Oh, do you remember what Thursday night used to be? Uh, it used to be our date night. When did it become grocery night? We're together, aren't we? Talking about three hundredths of a cent, that is not a date. Could you use a real date night? Get away at Family Life's Weekend to Remember Marriage Conference. You'll learn new ways to communicate, and you'll spend Saturday evening on a romantic date, rather than at the grocery store. Find out more at FamilyLifeWeekend.com.